Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is the Redskins partner, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls, presented by the Dynasty Football Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, Nick Wagner is on vacation today. Actually, he lives in Hawaii, so I think every day is a vacation. As I looked at the uh, six inches of snow that is coming my way on the weather map currently here in South Dakota. Uh, but with with me today, filling in for Nick is, of course, I had to I had to break up the the heavy artillery since Nick's gonna be gone. So you know I'm bringing in some just awesome people for you today. I got Ron McLeese. What's up, Ron? Hey, I'm excited to be on the show. And uh, you know Hawaii sounds great, but uh, I'll uh, I'll take my weather any day. And uh, it's not as bad as yours, so I can't complain. You know I don't have any snow in the forecast, but uh, that can change uh, rapidly here in Chicago. So. Yes, we know how that goes here, too. Uh, but anyway, today we are talking about the NFC North and kind of the the dynasty implications so far of what we've seen this off season. So, like I said, Ron's going to be – Ron is happy enough to join me for uh, – or should I say nice enough to join me for for the first half of the show here as we do – we'll do a couple dynasty dilemmas, and, of course, we will talk about his Chicago Bears. Uh, shortly after that, we're going to have Sonia Greenfield as we discuss the Detroit Lions. Um, and then I got uh, one of the funniest people out there on Twitter, Andy Carlson, stopping by to uh, talk about the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, great show planned for you today. Uh, Sonia is also a returning returning guest. Uh, so like I said, I had to, I had to hit, hit the big league since Nick was gone. So I got, I'm glad to have some awesome guests bring to you today as we talk about these uh uh these different teams uh well, what's any any thoughts on some of the the recent news right now ron i mean what, what do you think about mr alfred morris going to uh detroit or excuse me dallas the other big deal you know i was uh tweeting about him yesterday i just feel like to me i've always been an alfred morris guy uh so i'm gonna try to let that bias go and just give you my analysis about this move to me, it, it, I view it more as a insurance policy to Darren McFadden. I mean, the Cowboys can't seriously think that Darren McFadden is going to stay healthy for another full season, do they? So I, I see this signing as just depth at the position, and you know, if something happens to McFadden, they have a viable uh, running back on first and second down that can carry the load. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a few weeks back here too with Morris. You know. That team has undergone so much since he was a rookie. You know, he was a rookie the same year as RG3. I still maintain he should have won a rookie of the year, but, you know, they've had different coaching changes, just all kinds of personnel changes. And I think he kind of got lost in the shuffle of the scheme change there, too. Now, I mean, we know he's not a passing game guy, but 
as far as straight ahead runners uh, that can, you know, go between the tackles, I think, especially, you know, if that Dallas offensive line can regain some of that form they had a couple of years ago, that, that could be a, a pretty, a pretty good signing for them. And I, I actually predicted it on the show last week and I'm, I'm sorry to, sorry to say from my Redskins uh, co-host Nick, that, that that actually happened, but uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting signing because it's, it's weird how from, not really being, you know, I think some people were kind of intrigued by where he was going to go, but all of a sudden he's a part of a running back by committee, and all of a sudden he is he is fantasy relevant because you know he's there to get touches as far as I'm concerned. So, so yeah, uh, and with but the, for more with, with, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I was just going to say with that offensive line, I mean, you have to feel good about it. You know, I mean, this has got to be an upgrade for Alfred Morris. I mean, you talked about the passing game issues. Yeah, he's not going to ever be dependent. And in PPR leagues, he's definitely going to be, you know, that's going to knock him down a, a few tiers I mean, in the rankings. But, I mean, overall, I just think that, uh, you know, what I found kind of surprising to me was the fact that Alfred Morris made that visit and Jason Garrett and none of the coaches were even there for his visit. So it was like they had either already talked about and decided on signing him or – I don't. I don't know. Just, what are your thoughts on that? Does it, do, you, do you read anything into that or no? I guess I hadn't. I hadn't heard that. Um, and I think, I think he visited and then signed a couple days later. Right? He didn't sign like right away. So it's it's always interesting to me when that happens too. You know, at least at least some teams, and we don't know the full. You know, what what went on on behind closed doors. You know, but usually I would feel like there's a at least a contract on the table that they're taking into consideration. You know, right? I don't think there's a lot of people out there for looking for Alfred Morris right now. So I mean, I would, I would love to see him go to like a New England or or a, or a place or like even maybe like a a San Diego. I know they have a bunch of running backs there, but a team that likes to spread the ball out with uh, three wide receiver sets because that's going to certainly give him more room. But uh, this is a good spot for him, and I think Dallas is really trying to get this thing together and make one more really good run of Tony Romo. Hopefully they can keep him healthy. So, uh, For more on Alfred Morris, make sure you check out the question and answer this Saturday as you get a bunch of different perspectives uh, on that signing, too, and obviously some more from me as well. So, um, well, we have so much to get to, but uh, Ron wanted to do this dilemma, and we won't even talk about the uh, – the Twitter votes that, uh, yeah, we won't talk about. Uh, yeah, those Twitter, those Twitter polls are irrelevant. I, I, I don't care what yeah. Twitter polls. <laughs> but anyway, but I digress. They're fun, yeah. They're fun, yes, definitely fun. Polls. But anyway, yeah, let's just say, let's just say girly one. But uh, Ron wanted to uh, do a dynasty dilemma as we pit uh, Todd Gurley versus Ezekiel Elliott. Now, um, I we're doing another one, too, so I'm going to go first on the second one. So you can go first here. Let me just find our music clip, and it'll take six seconds, and then you can give us what you got on Mr. Ezekiel Elliott. One second. Yeah, as far as uh, Zeke versus the girly mon, um, yeah, this is this is a tough one, you know, because there's so many, uh, there's so much love out there for Gurley, and he's such a good running back compared to Adrian Peterson uh, coming up last year. I mean, the hardest part for me in evaluating these two guys and pitting them against head-to-head against each other was, you know, basically comparing um, 
their combines, which obviously with Gurley's knee injury, he didn't fully participate in, in the drills last year. So, I mean, we know he's a strong guy. You know, he got 17 bench presses uh, last year at the combine. So I don't question that at all. Um, you know, Zeke, on the other hand, you know, he basically has a, a zero major injury history. Uh, and he was a full participant in all the drills at the 2016 NFL Combine. Um, digging a little deeper, I got to give a shout out to Rotoviz. Uh, I do have a subscription with Rotoviz, and one of the coolest tools that you can use there is the Rotoviz uh, Running Back Prospect Prospect Lab. Uh, it's a very useful tool to help gauge uh, the fantasy expectations for running backs. So you can kind of plug in some numbers there. Um, and anyway, when I was looking at uh, Zeke and all the uh, numbers across the board and how he compares to the rest of the field, uh, the tail of tape kind of goes like this. His age, um, coming in, he's 20 years, 20 and a half years old, weight 225. He ran a 4.46 at the combine, which is really good. Three cones, seven seconds, also good. Um, yards per game average in college, 140 yards on the ground. And average touchdowns, 1.8. His score in using this uh, running back prospect lab on uh, Rotoviz was 92 out of a possible 100. And to kind of put that into perspective real quick for you, um, his his ranking was only one point behind Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, that, that says a lot right there. And he was ahead of guys like Adrian Peterson, who scored an 86, Ray Rice, who also scored an 86, Latavius Murray, who scored an 84, and then good old Michael Turner, uh, who's – also scored at 84 so I mean that that to me kind of stands out you know I know this is these are just kind of uh you know it's a useful tool but also at the same time it kind of takes all those things into play you know um with his receptions in college touchdowns and, and all the other stuff he did at the, at the combine so I think he didn't he definitely helped his stock at the combine and let's just kind of you know rewind here to his monster 2014 uh, season, which kind of stands out to me as kind of the highlight to his college career at Ohio State. Um, he was an absolute beast in 2014. We're talking about a guy who had 273 carries for eight, 1,878 yards at 6.9 yards per carry with 18 touchdowns while also contributing with 28 receptions for 220 yards. So, I mean, it was a monster year, and he actually played it the entire 2014 season with one hand, basically. Uh, you know, I said he didn't have an injury history. Well, that was his only injury was a, a left wrist injury uh, that was broken for the majority of the season. So um, the guy played through that injury, culminated with the national championship and one of the biggest performances ever in the national championship game by running back. So, you know, to put this monster season into perspective, uh, Zeke's only one of seven players in the last 10 years to post a season of at least 270 carries, 1,800 yards, with 15 TDs while also catching 25 balls. So, again, that list includes guys, uh, big big names like Matt Forte, Tevin Coleman, Ray Rice, Jay Ajayi, and, believe it or not, Kadeem Carey, who did it twice. And the last guy, kind of a no-name, yeah, I had to throw that one in there. And Garrett Wolf, actually, believe it or not, Northern Illinois guy. So, um, so to me, uh, you know, also – Looking at the 2015 production, okay, it was a little bit less, a step down from 2014. You know, he set the bar really high. Still rushed for 1,672 yards and 19 TDs on 262 carries, 6.4 yards per clip. Um, you know, once again, topping the 25 catches uh, uh, threshold with 26. 
You know, keep in mind also, you know, that 2015 wasn't really a step down. If you think about, he only played in 12 games compared to 15 in 2014. So, to me, you know, at six foot. Uh, 225 pounds. Ezekiel Elliott's the ideal size for starting running back in the NFL. You know, he possesses a unique combination of size, athleticism, and production in college level. So, you know, to me, that makes him the type of foundation uh, NFL running back, just like Gurley was last year coming into the draft. Um, and one other point on him, and, and I'll let you let you uh, take your speak your uh, truth on uh, Gurley. It's also worth noting that on uh, PlayerProfiler.com. Shout out to Matt Kelly. Uh, Zeke's closest com- closest comparable is my boy Matt Forte. So you know that also makes me feel good. His college dominator score, which typically anything at forty percent or above, is like amazing for a college running back. His was thirty seven point eight percent, which is actually better than Gurley's at twenty nine point three percent. So, and one other thing on Gurley, his closest comparable on Player Profile. PlayerProfile.com is Marcus Lattimore, believe it or not. So uh, <laughs> I've spoken my piece, and I will let you take the uh, mic here. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, not only does Gurley already have a, have a season under his belt in the NFL, but he ha- he's in an offense where he's the number one weapon. Zeke does not even have a team yet. Um, but I do not believe he is going to – there's anywhere where he's going to see at least or you're going to see 300 touches. He might not even see 200 touches this year as a rookie. Uh, but this is a dynasty dilemma. And, again, we need to think about the future. So because Zeke does not have a team, we can only speculate. All the teams that, Of all the teams in the top 15, which is where I believe Zeke will go, not one of them has a gaping need of running back. Obviously, the Dallas situation turned out a little differently now with the signing of Alfred Morris. But teams like Dallas and Philly certainly have older backs in place. But you got to think, Elliot, wherever he goes, he's going to be part of a committee at least for the first couple seasons. Meanwhile, Gurley's going to be chalking up 1,800 yards for the L.A. Rams. Elliot will be lucky to get 800 yards and eight touchdowns a season, I think, for the first couple years. And I think that's just what we want, I mean, obviously you want the guy that's going to grow, but I think I think you're going to see a whole lot of growth out of Gurley this season. Sure, Zeke is a dynamic runner, but I don't think right now he is no Todd Gurley. We truly will see what Zeke is when we see him run behind a, 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 a basically not a, not an awesome offensive line, an average offensive line. Where he, whereas look at Ohio State, you know, he had a we got probably three or four. Pro Bowl players typically along that offensive line during his tenure there. So, uh, Gurley was treated like fine china last season because the Rams were not a playoff team, and they didn't and they wanted to protect their investment. Now, you may think Elliott will get the PBR edge because Gurley only had 26 targets as a rookie, uh, but again, they were g- gently grooming him to for his beastal betterment. Now, I'm a big comparison guy, so I'm glad Ron went there too. It's re- and it's really who I am, and it's how I let. It's really who I am, and I. That's how I. Sorry, I'm gonna start over here with that. Part. <laughs> uh, now I'm a big comparison guy, and it's really who I am. But I will let the others do the talking here. Remember Gurley this time last year. He was a once in a generation talent. Remember, he was the next Adrian Peterson. Uh, he was above. That's all we heard from everybody everywhere. 
Now, who does NFL.com Lance Zerline compare Ezekiel Elliott to? Edron James. So, Ron, would you rather have the next Adrian Peterson or the next Edron James? Edron James was a pretty pretty damn good running back in the NFL, but yeah, if you if you phrase it like that, I think you know the answer to that question, <laughs> and it's, it's not really that close. Um, you know, I just want to say one other thing, and that's the landing spot part, which is it makes it kind of hard for me to, you know, not knowing the landing spot, obviously make this argument uh, 100% for Zeke. But having said that, I think there's a still a couple teams out there and you mentioned one the Philadelphia Eagles that really don't have really don't have a stable running back currently so I think if he lands in say Philly I think that would be an excellent spot where he could possibly get in the upwards of 250 carries another team that's looking for to add running back depth where in a situation where I think he could the cream would rise to the top would be Miami Dolphins I think as much as I like JHIA he has the knee concerns Miami's made it pretty clear that they're Trying to get more backs in that stable, and I think assigning or uh, draft, drafting Ezekiel Elliott could be something that they would be uh, looking at. So those are two teams that I think if he lands on either one of those two teams, you know I, I can see what you're saying as far as the, the limited carries in his rookie year. But those are two landing spots that could definitely change his outlook uh, fantasy wise and also dynasty long term. Yeah, there's no way he's getting past the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I, I just, I do not. I mean, I would bet money on it, hard-earned money on it, that he's going to the Eagles there at eight. Um, it's a great point there with Miami too, because I mean, they brought in Chris Johnson. They they signed the offer sheet with C.J. Anderson, so you know, since they didn't get one in free agency, maybe maybe they go after an Arian Foster, but you know they're bringing somebody else in. And I I read today that Adam Gaze wants to have himself a, I can't remember how they said it. Uh, yeah, stable of running back. A, but... a stable there, exactly. a stable of running back. Sorry, I was thinking farm something, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's uh, certainly a good debate, and this is actually not the first college versus pro debate we've had back. I think, geez, back even December when the NFL regular season was still going, uh, me and Nick debated Thomas Rawls versus Derrick Henry. So, uh, nice. and that was the week. That was the week uh, Rawls got hurt. I think so. We like to curse people, but. Uh, um, just on the coattails of this, I was I was thinking about something, and one of my favorite websites is Pro Football Reference. Um, but uh, they, and it's it's just your basic basic stats type stat site. But there's one stat that I was kind of just really curious about, and I wish there was a way to filter it on there. So if you're listening out there and you know people that work at Pro Football Reference, make them do this for me. But anyway, you can go and look it up individually as well. Uh, but one thing that I always look at when I look at a player's stats is something something I think they added new to this website is um, they have for running backs what they averaged uh, yards per game on their career. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that is a great telling stat. I mean, you know, sure, Emmett Smith has all these more rushing yards than, than all these other people, but how many yards did he average per game? And does he have all those rushing yards because he played all these extra games? because he had that awesome offensive line. So uh, I just, I'm going to throw you five names, Ron, and who do you think has the most rushing yards per game all time? Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, or Eric Dickerson? I'm going to guess Emmett Smith. Uh, see, that's that, and that's why I bring up trivia questions like this. Emmett Smith actually has the worst of all, all of those. Oh, cards. gosh. 
Uh, I think because of his longevity. I mean, my thought is I know Barry Sanders has to average more yards per game than Barry, uh, than Emmett Smith. Uh, and Barry did it. So the list goes like this. Jim Brown actually had the most at 104, which I can't expect anybody really living to know that. Uh, but uh, Barry Sanders at 99, Eric Dickerson at 90, Walter Payton at 88, and then Emmett Smith at 81. So, wow. I mean, yeah, he had, I think I, I should look, I should have wrote down the games played compare, comparison to Barry and Emmett. But uh, yeah, that's a, just an yeah, interesting I guess I, I was, I was thinking of like overall all-time rushing yards. So, yeah, rushing yards per game. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's maybe a little bit more of a telling stat than overall rushing yards in a career just because in and out you could tell what they meant to that team. So Exactly. Um, but anyway, it is time to talk about your Chicago Bears. So I just got us a little music just – just special for you today, Ron, to get us hyped up. Ready? Appreciate it. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Bowl. Flashback to 1986. Man, that, I love it. <laughs> that, song, that song never gets old. Have you seen, I'm assuming you probably have, but have you seen the, the ESPN film about the 85 Bears? Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, it's captivating. I, and I keep thinking, every time I, I've watched it a couple times now, and I keep thinking, why is this so, you know, I lived through this. I watched all of this unfold, but to see it from their, their eyes and from their perspective, it's just it's insanity. The the Buffalo the other Buffalo Bills one is really good too about the four Super Bowl losses. Um, but anyway, let's talk about those Bears here, Ron. What? A, um, probably not a, not a, not a, exactly the way you wanted the season to go, especially for uh, your first round pick last year, Kevin White. Well, what do we think? It's news news around the world is that he's a hundred percent healthy as of this moment. What do you think? Can he live up to the expectations? Well, that's a great point you're bringing up, you know. And, and last year this time, you know, the Kevin White, Kevin White hype train was out of control before a stress fracture in his shin derailed his rookie season before it ever really started, which was, you know, a major blow to the Bears offensively after investing a high first-round draft pick, I think seventh overall on, on Kevin White. Um, after multiple setbacks during the 2015 season, you know, the Bears wisely decided to shut him down you know, I think that's a smart move on their part. They didn't have anything to play for. Um, they just played it safe with, you know, one of their core players, you know. So uh, much to the disdain of, of all us fantasy and dynasty owners out there. But, uh, again, that was a smart move. And just piggybacking on what you just said, um, basically this week, yeah, you're right, uh, GM Ryan Pace proclaimed that Kevin White's 100% healthy, which is, you know, music to dynasty owners' ears right now. So you got to love that. Um <laughs> So you're talking about the expectations. So what should his owners expect from White in 2016? You know, I think first off we should start by breaking down the target distribution in 2015 for the Bears. Um, I'm going to start by talking about the players that are still on the team. Alshon Jeffrey, injury plague season, he had 93 targets. Marquis Wilson, 51 targets. The good old reliable veteran Eddie Royal, 50 targets. Zach Miller, the new starting tight end, 46 targets. And my boy Jeremy Langford, the rookie sensation, 42 targets. Now, gone from the Bears are the following guys. Um, Marcellus Bennett, 
80 targets from last year, and foundation running back Matt Forte with 58 targets in an injury-plagued season. So if you break down just the targets alone from the guys that are now, you know, shipped out of town, that's 138 targets between Forte and Bennett. So simple math to me would concede that between Bennett and Forte's 138 targets, um, those could realistically become all Kevin White's as he assumes the role as the Bears' wide receiver too, you know, lining up opposite Alshon Jeffrey. And I think, you know, if Jeffrey's healthy, that that's the key, always the key with Jeffrey being healthy. But, you know, opposing defenses are going to have to scheme, will scheme to take away Jeffrey, take him out of the game, similar to how uh, teams take out Antonio Brown or at least try to, um, which is in turn going to create openings for Kevin White. Um, and, you know, you know, with the projections, I had to sit down last night and kind of come up with my own projections for Kevin White this year to kind of dovetail into what I'm talking about. And that's, you know, I, I'm I'm putting his number at 130-plus targets. So that's that's what I'm projecting him in at. I think that, you know, if he gets 100 in the upwards of 130 targets this season, I think he's a lock for about 65. I put him down for 70 receptions for 965 yards and seven touchdowns. You know, and if you look at those numbers, those projections, obviously, I'm just projecting here, uh, those are comparable numbers to Amari Cooper's 2015 uh, rookie numbers. So, you know, that should tell you how high I am on Kevin White in 2016. I just feel like, you know, if he's healthy, which he is, and he gets the targets and Jeffrey's out there, uh, this is a guy that's going to make some noise and a lot of noise. So uh, I'm I'm very optimistic for his um, 2016 season and, and moving forward in, in, in the dynasty world. I think this is a guy that – if you can buy low on right now, um, I've seen some trades for him in a few of the DFW leagues, and and uh, you know you, it takes a lot to get Kevin White, but if you can get him at somewhat of a discount, I think now's the time to buy before camp opens up. Yeah, and good point there. You know, I think a lot of people were maybe expecting a little bit more out of him before Elshon got uh, got tagged there. But I, I, there's no reason to think that they can't they can't coexist, and I think Kevin White could have a better 2016 because Elshon is there, and he's still the one that's going to demand the respect. Well, you you already went there with Mr. Langford. What, what do you think? Is he a safe RB one? I know so many people that own him that are just trying to trade high on him. But what, what do you think? I mean, what what? Sorry for the bad reference, but what's going to be his <laughs> forte in this offense? You know what's crazy about Jeremy Langford is he, he's probably the most polarizing running back right now in fantasy as far as dynasty circles. Um, you either love Jeremy Langford or you hate him. There's really no middle ground right now, which is why a lot of people are saying he's, you know, overrated and, you know, people are overpaying it for him in drafts or trades, excuse me, which to, to, me, to be honest with you, I, I, I disagree with that. Um, you know, he's got big shoes to fill, um, you know, replacing all-pro running back Matt Forte. He was a staple in this offense for years. Um, so the expectations are sky high for him. You know, having said that, I think Langford proved during his rookie season that he's worthy of more reps after flashing his big play potential and, and every down back ability when Forte was out. Um, you know, it wasn't Kerry that was getting the carries when uh, Forte was injured. It was Langford as a rookie. So, you know, Langford's haters, doubters, whatever you want to call them, will bring up his low yard per carry average last year, 3.6 yards per carry average. And they're going to use that as ammunition in the chamber to fire away at Langford truthers like myself. So let's consider the whole line issues that the Bears had and dealt with 
all of last season, and also the fact that Alshon Jeffrey wasn't on the field for the majority of 2016, which also hurt uh, from the aspect that there weren't really uh, there really wasn't a big target outside of Jeffrey when he was out of the lineup. So opposing defenses could obviously stack the box, and with that patchwork uh, offensive line, it just wasn't a good combination for him. So. I mean, hell, Matt Forte only averaged 4.1 yards per carry behind the same line in 2016. And if you remove 2014 numbers from Forte's resume, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry from 2010 through 2013. So he only averaged 2000, in 2014, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. So, I mean, if you're looking at length for 3.6 yards per carry in his rookie year in evaluating that and using that as a basis for your evaluation for him. I think that's overblown in my opinion. You know, he only had 148 carries. And also just kind of comparing him to another Michigan State great running back, uh, Le'Veon Bell. In his in Le'Veon Bell's um, rookie year, he only averaged 3.5 yards per carry in his rookie year in 2013. So, again, I, I don't read too much into those those numbers. Um uh, you know, this is a guy in college who averaged 5.1 yards per carry and scored 40 touchdowns, and that's in only two years of starting after Le'Veon Bell um, went to the NFL So as his as his uh, replacement. So, you know, digging deeper, I did find some games at Lankford, some, some data on Lankford as far as the volume. In games where he received 18 or more carries, which were only three games, so small sample size, he averaged at least 76 yards rushing and had – in those three games, he had a combined three or ten catches for 179 yards and a touchdown. So, again, you're seeing that dual threat capability from a running back that's been overrated by a lot of scouts coming into the draft. Um, and also, let's take into consideration, this guy ran the fastest 40 last year at the Combine, a 4.42. So, um, one other tidbit that I found was that Langford was the NFL's most efficient running back at converting short yardage situations, which is kind of amazing because you would think that Kerry would be that guy, but he wasn't. Uh, he was able to convert 13 of his 14 rushing attempts from two yards out or less. Uh, so, again, that's another feather in, in Langford's cap that he can handle that short yardage, um, those carries. So, you know, again, I, I like the speed that he possesses. I like the, the soft hands. Um, in closing, I would say, you know, Langford combines the plus speed with soft hands and breakaway ability making him a second-year, my top second-year breakout running back. And I feel like um, it's because of this that I view Langford as a legit RB1, especially in PPR League in 2016. Um, again, this was the guy that GM Ryan Pace and staff handpicked in the fourth round of last year's draft. So, uh, in closing, I'm all in on Jeremy Langford in 2016, and I'll look to acquire him in every dynasty league possible when I have. And so, you know, take my advice, not because I'm a Bears homer, but because – you want to win your dynasty league, so go out there and get Jeremy Langford if you can. Just don't overpay. Yeah, great, great points there. And one thing that I, I always come back to when I watched film on Langford uh, before he was drafted, they Michigan State kind of did this play where, like, you know, he was in the shotgun next to Cook, and he took a few steps up and they kind of let the play develop. And there was just a little quick dump off to him and just the creativity he could create after getting, you know, after a few seconds of the play already going and and people coming at them and he was able to just turn it into positive yards. And like you said, with him converting all those short yardage, you know, that's something that's certainly going to affect your yards per rush because if, you know, if it's third and two, 
you're not going to try to bust it outside and get, you know, 15, 20 yards. You're going to, if it's third and two, you're going to dive to get that third yard so you can convert the first down and you can set something back up for your offense because, you know, third and two, you're, you're desperate to, 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 to convert and move those sticks. So that's certainly going to hurt his overall average. Um, what do you think about the defensive side of the ball with, with the Bears bringing in Trevathan and Jarrell Freeman? What does that? Where does that leave Christian Jones? Now, I think a lot of people were excited about Jones last year. He showed some good things, kind of that that speed linebacker, if you will. Uh, but it seems like they're they're not they're not in on him right now, unless they're maybe thinking about kicking him outside. Have you heard what they, what they're going to plan to do with Jones? No, I haven't. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I mean, I I agree with you. I think Jones showed some flashes last year, but he didn't show enough for them to totally buy in, the defensive staff totally buy into him as, you know, the, their guy, you know, moving forward. And I think that's why they, they made such an emphasis on the interior. Uh, you know, inside linebacker has been a, a gaping hole for years for the Chicago Bears, in my opinion. And this is, you know, um, it's been a position that they really need to, to fill and address and, and through draft or free agency or trades or what have you. And I just, to me, the Danny Trevathan signing, you know, immediately upgrades the, the Bears' front seven. I mean, it was, it was the Bears' most uh, glaring uh, need was inside linebackers. So, and that signing reunites Trevathan with his former head coach, John Fox. And also, Trevathan enjoyed his best season as a pro under Fox in 2013 with a career-high 129 tackles. You know, this is a proven proven vet and Super Bowl winner, and he's going to become the, the face of the Bears' defense and the 3-4 defense and inside linebacker uh, so to me, it's no secret that uh, you know the Bears have struggled at inside linebacker in uh, Vic Fangio's new three-four scheme. So now they have the personnel with Trevathan um, and Freeman that you brought up. You know, Shane McClellan's gone. Uh, Christian Jones again; he's the only holdover. Um, but as I said before, I just don't think you know he showed enough to be in their long-term picture. So um, I think outside of an injury happening with with Trevathan, which could happen. I just don't see that much value for Jones, you know, in IDP leagues, you know. I, so also the the locker room presence, I think the Bears have lacked since the departure of Brian Erlacher. I think Jan, Danny Trevathan can step right in and be that guy. He's going to fill that void, being an anchor in the middle of that Bears defense. And and also I like I like the pairing with uh, Freeman. And also, don't forget about Pernell McPhee. This guy, he's so dangerous coming off the outside, rushing the edge. Um, that I think that the signing of these two guys is going to only make him more dangerous because now the, the middle of the field is completely taken care of with Trevathan, Freeman, and they can kind of let McPhee just kind of run free off the edge. So, again, that's another reason why I like I like the signings, and I just feel like you know they're going to, those two guys are going to be, be able to cover a lot of ground in the middle of the defense and, and open up things on the as far as the pass rush game. So, Overall, I think that, you know, so far this offseason, the Bears have been the most improved defense with these two signings, and I don't, I don't even think it's close. I think you could just bump, bump Lamar Houston back up to the defensive end, even though he's not used to playing the 3-4 defensive end, to put Jones on the other outside because he has that speed. And that that could open up some interesting things. That could make him, you know, give chase from the from the weak side, so to speak, or even if it even even if it is the strong side, because you have to respect, like you said, McPhee. So good uh good IDP notes there. Um what about biggest draft needs for this team? You got a 
somewhat of an early pick. I think it's at nine. I, uh, I think we're no, we're eleven eleventh overall. 11, okay. And I was actually going to ask you a question, but uh, I know that in your first mock draft, I'm trying to remember in your first mock draft because when I was reading it, I think you did you not have Carson Wentz going at number eleven to the Bears? I think you had us taking a quarterback, which at the time I questioned yeah, I, that move. I had golf, was that actually. was that your first mock? I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah, I had golf going there with my first mock, yep. Golf, okay, it was golf instead, okay. But to answer your question, you know, I think that they, they really, the focus still needs to be on the defense to front seven. They need a big body on the interior to pair with Eddie Goldman, who I think, again, was another underrated um, interior guy they got last year in the draft, and I think he's he's definitely shown what they need to see from him. Um, preferably, I would like to see them take a guy like DeForest Buckner, uh, Sheldon Rankings, who I really love, he reminds me a lot of Aaron Donald. There's a lot of, you know, people saying he's Aaron Donald 2.0. Maybe, maybe he's not as good, but you know what I saw from him in limited uh, practices at the Senior Bowl, I was really impressed. And the first day I was at the Senior Bowl, I was sitting uh, with Kyle, and um, one of the Bears scouts was having had a lengthy conversation with Rankings for at least 20 to 30 minutes, and I talked to him after that, and he said he was really impressed with the, you know, his. Um, how he answered the questions and how he just carried himself. So Sheldon Rankins is a dark horse guy to take there. Uh, another two names I'll throw out, Shaq Lawson and Ashawn Robinson are a couple other guys that they, I think they would fit this 3-4 scheme really well. So, you know, if they decide not to go with interior with that pick, I think the, the next glaring need would be offensive line help to help protect Cuddy and open some holes for Langford and Carey. So I think if they decide to go that route, there's so many offensive linemen you know, you can go from – obviously, we know um, the top guy, Tunsil, is probably not going to be there at 11. That's like 100% guarantee. But you got guys like Ronnie Stanley um, from Notre Dame. you got Taylor Decker from the Ohio State University, who I really am high on. Jason Spriggs, another standout at the Senior Bowl uh, for Indiana. Um, he, he gained a lot of steam from Senior Bowl week. And then another guy that a lot of people forget about is uh, Jack Conklin from uh, Michigan State. So – those are just four names that I think if they decide to go on with the offensive line uh, with that first pick, those could be the, the four guys they could target. So, um, you know, and, and later in the draft, I feel like safety is a definitely another need. Um, Antrell Roll is 33. He's, he's struggled to, to stay healthy, and his body's kind of breaking down at his age. So I think Adrian Amos was a great, another great draft pick last year at free safety, but strong safety is going to be a weakness. So, um, there's a few guys in the draft that I, I kind of like at that position. Uh, what is it? Darian Thompson's one of them, and um, the other guy from uh, Boise, not Boise, um, drawing a blank, Miles Kilbrew. Miles Kilbrew, yeah. really, Utah. really a good player, um, physical at the point of attack. He's just, he's a ball uh, hawk, and I just really like, again, I saw him up close and personal at senior ball, and I was really impressed with Kilbrew. Uh, another guy that may fall into the second round, and if he does, I think the Bears could take him with the second round pick, and and he would be a perfect fit for this defense. Yeah, yeah, no, no complaints to any of the names you threw out there. I'm not, I'm not sold on Buckner as a as maybe an IDP guy, but uh, if he if you throw him in those three four, I think he'll be just be just fine and do what you need him to do. So, you're running short on time, so let's crank out this second dynasty dilemma here as we all finish. right. Uh, Randall Cobb versus Alshon Jeffrey. Of course, everyone is going to take the tall guy. 
as I'm defending Pat here. But who can blame them? I think the only person with more ups in Chicago sports history is Michael Jordan. I mean, have you seen how son Jeffrey jump and get balls? I will never forget watching Jeffrey during his second year slash breakout campaign. I saw him jump probably about 15 feet over a defender. Uh, that left the defender with his arms in the air out of frustration while shaking his head and mouthing, how am I supposed to cover that? Um, now, now I'm sure since my dilemma opponent, Ron, here is a Bears homer, uh, I would imagine he's probably asking himself the same thing. How am I supposed to cover this great player that I love so much and not make it sound so, you know, biased? So, yeah, an, an attempt to psych you out, Ron. I must remind everybody that Ron is a Bears fan, so... <laughs> Take his biased opinion as sheer homerism, people. Uh, now, what good is height without speed or wiggle? I chose Cobb because he is as, is athletic as they come. He played quarterback in college. He played running back in college. He did. I mean, I think he even played DB on some dime packages. Now, I'm sure Ron Ron over there will will say that he failed as a wide receiver one in 2015 with Jordy out of the picture. Okay, so it wasn't a career year for Cobb. But the entire Packers offense struggled mightily, basically basically because their run game was so severely average. What Cobb has done is recover from a nasty ACL tear to be an even, even better than he was before the injury. He profiles as a slot man, and even though he's probably the best slot man in the game, he, people will still say that he is limited. Yes, this is a league of where three wide receivers set are the new norm. And the Packers covet Cobb so much that he actually use him at running back quite often, more often than you think, just because he doesn't get a lot of touches. You, they, you do see him line up in the backfield more often than you think. So while Jeffrey is basically your typical outside wide receiver pillar, Cobb is that X factor who, who sees as many targets as most tight ends and running backs. If Jeffrey was not vertically, if Jeffrey was not so vertically dominant, he would be an average wide receiver with a 4.6540 time. The taller Jeffrey struggled to overcome a hamstring and thigh injury and caught just 54 balls last year. So basically, taking a taller wide receiver by default is never bad. But once those long legs get damaged, it takes them a long time to heal. They do not heal as fast as those short guys. And that hinders their future moving forward once your legs are damaged. Just Look at a guy like Calvin Johnson. Look at how he recovered over those last couple of years after he started to get dinged up. And that's what worries me about Alshon Jeffrey. Ron, what do you got for us on Mr. Randall Cobb? we got about three minutes here. Mr. Randall Cobb, I'll try to make it quick. I mean, it's funny because these guys are both basically the same age. Look at the age. Jeffrey's 26. Cobb will turn 26 on August 22nd. You look at their career numbers. They kind of mirror each other for the most part. Uh, 252 receptions for Jeffrey, 306 for Cobb as a slot guy, uh, 3,728 3, career uh, receiving yards for Jeffrey, 3,878 for Cobb. The touchdowns, Cobb wins that one, that battle, 31 touchdowns in his career to 24 for Jeffrey. So they're kind of, uh, you know, I, I would say that's a wash if you look at the production. It's pretty much straight across the board. They both battled their own in, uh, fair share of injuries. Um, you know, but when I look at the position, you know, and it's not just, I mean, you talked about the my ball mentality that Jeffrey has and high pointing the ball. That, that's his specialty. That's what makes him so great in the red zone. Um, but, you know, the way I view him is, is a stud wide receiver, one. He's a t- 
target monster. Um, whereas Kyle's better suited as a wide receiver too. And, and yes, to your point, you know, I think last year kind of proved that. You know, he's he's a slot guy who needs another guy opposite him named Jordy Nelson to be in there to really maximize his production in that offense. So, yeah, I agree with the the running game did struggle. So that guy could definitely be part of it. Breaking it down further, 1,000-yard seasons, we got two for Jeffrey in 2013 and 14, one for uh, Cobb in 2014, an amazing year. Uh, I looked at 10-catch career games. Another thing I look at for my uh, big-time receivers, um, Jeffrey has five of them. He has five 10-catch career games, two in 2015 alone, whereas Cobb only has two in his career. Uh, looking at 100-yard games, they're pretty much split. They're, uh, uh, Jeffrey has 12, and Cobb has 11, and only one 100-yard receiving in 2015 for Randall Cobb. So, again, 200-yard games on his resume. Jeffrey has two. Cobb has zero. So, again, I'm looking at that, and I say, well, I, I think the, the scales. Outside of my Bears bias, I think I, it definitely has to go towards Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in Dynasty, I mean, in closing, I want to own the true number one wide receiver for his respective team and the player capable of dominating targets and, and opposing secondaries. And, and as much as I like Cobb, he just isn't that guy. And in 2015, it's proof of that. You know, when Jordy was out, Cobb struggled with the injuries. He struggled to, to be the, the main guy in the offense as far as Rodgers' top targets. So, you know, and like I said, they both have dealt with their fair share of injuries, but – Cobb's smaller frame does concern me in Dynasty because, you know, his long-term health. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, got a, you know, had a punctured lung in the divisional matchup versus the Cardinals. I mean, he, he kind of gets knocked off his, his routes, you know, and, and kind of manhandled it at times by uh, bigger DBs. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Cobb. I view him as a high upside wide receiver, too. While I see Jeffrey's an elite wide receiver one with top five upside at his position, so you know with guys like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins of the world. So I mean that to me just you know separates him from Cobb. And in closing, I will say I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan, so I saw Cobb a lot in college and I loved him, and I still love Cobb. So no knock on Cobb. I, I love him probably about as much as you do. You probably don't know that, but um, I just got to have the guy who's who's the big receiver, and not just because he's big, but because he can make such an impact in in one game. You know, this guy can can pretty much win your matchup weekly fantasy matchup. Yeah, very very good points there, and I think you know Cobb doesn't have those big reception games because he just takes it to the house, right? I mean, he just takes it to the house. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Well, I looked at him. They're both those deep threats, and they both have the long touchdowns to their resume. So I kind of think they're both that same type of um, player when it comes to the explosiveness in the, in the long the long games. They're both capable of that. So Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ron. We really appreciate you, you filling in for Nick there and going, to, going toe-to-toe with me in a couple of the limas and talking about your Bears. And you know, well, I really appreciate you inviting me on the show, and I've had a, a blast with you, as always, and uh, I look forward to the next opportunity to come on and chew the fat with you guys, and uh, hopefully next time Nick will be on, and he can he, Nick can be the tiebreaker next time. <laughs> yes, yes, he's good at that. All right, cool. Thank you, Ron. Have a great day, bud. All right, Josh. Thanks again. Bye. Okay, so like I said, with Nick gone, I, I really needed to pull out all the punches and get just awesome people. So I got, I, of course, since we're talking about the NFC Central, I had to go over and get my girl Sonya Greenfield. But let's listen to something first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
one. <laughs> What's up? How are you? Good, good. You hit me up with that song, and I was like, God, I haven't heard that song for years. And I was like, oh, yeah, now it's in my head. It's going to be in my head all day long. And I already, well, it's we a good song to get in your head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I better than the my... Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, yeah, probably. A little, little more of a, yeah. <laughs> A little more modern. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, like I said, Sonia Greenfield, NFL female, Detroit Lions fan reporter. You, you've heard her on the podcast a couple times, and there's there's awesome people out there in this business, and I'm so glad to get to meet some great people out here all, all the time. But it's Sonia Greenfield. I mean, there's not really a, a lot of better people out there. So I, I always <laughs> always have fun when Sonia comes back. So. Unfortunately, oh, Nick is off on vacation so today. Yeah, well, how you're dare awesome. he? I mean, there's just no way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare he take a vacation when he lives in Hawaii? But anyway, I'll stop. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your lions. And I hate to I hate to start it off on a sour note, but we're obviously in the post Kelvin Johnson area. Yeah, we what are. Does that mean a little for, sooner than we thought. What does thought. that mean for Matthew Stafford? Um, he's going to have to show us that he really knows what he can do and that he's worth his contract. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, <laughs> at least that's what, a, that's what a lot of his doubters slash haters like to say. Um, so I think probably the biggest thing now is that he's going to have to get to know some of his other receivers a little better. Um, the Golden Tates of the world. And actually he's done actually, I think a pretty good job with Golden Tate. So now, but it was almost kind of like he had to kind of get used to him. And I think it took him a little bit of time to get used to him, but now hopefully he'll be able to use him a little bit more. Um, We got Melvin Jones this year, not too long ago in free agency. So I think again, that'll just be another got to, got to figure out how to get him in the system and learn with him. Um, so he's got people to throw to, so we'll just see. I mean, I'm hoping that he'll be okay, but again, it's just going to come down to actual game time and what we're going to see. Well, and problem solved. We just signed Jeremy Curley yesterday, so do you, how can he how can he go wrong there, right? <laughs> right. I was like, um, for uh, real, he's still out there. <laughs> yeah, he's still a thing. Um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, what? <laughs> right. uh, now it's now it's now it's the uh, and I, and I think the Tate and Marvin Jones are will be a decent decent combination. I'm just not uh, not quite sure how that how they're gonna to gel right away. Uh, but of course, right, exactly. the other guy the the other guy in the scheme is 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 obviously <laughs> the the new man of the hour, and it's, and it's Eric Ebron. I mean. How good Your can bestie. this guy be? I mean, yes, he's my best friend. Is it, are we going to see is. him like, achieve top five material? Do you think he's top five tight end material? Can he do that? Can he take those red zone targets? That, that... I think he can. And I think that's probably where we'll see him use the most is in the red zone. Um, that's, I mean, we all know he's had drops. But this year I think he really did kind of take a step forward and took himself a little bit more seriously and realized that, hey, I think i got to step my game up just a smidge So because I have people like Josh depending on me all the time. Mm-hmm. So, 
still there? Hello? I think we just lost Sonia. Maybe she will realize it here in a second. Hello? Hmm. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, we thought Sonia would come back there for a second, but we just, as pretty as we just lost her, so I'm just going to send her a message right now. Uh, maybe she dropped her phone or something happened, but uh, hopefully she will call back here in a second. But of course, she's talking about Eric Ebron, who, if you listen to the podcast, you know. Sonia, are you back? Yep, I'm back. Hello? You got me? Okay, okay. sorry about that. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no, I think it's my fault. Were... Some parts of my house get a little wonky. <laughs> yeah. You were laughing, as you always do, and I think you, I thought you dropped your phone or something. Uh, but, yes, Eric <laughs> Ebron, Superman, where I were you think... at? Go ahead. Oh, yes. No, I was just saying that, you know, he's got people like you depending on him. So hopefully he is able to step it up this year and, you know, keep making improvements. And one thing that I think that we don't give people enough time to do is actually mature and grow as football players. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, he's kind of in that realm of, you know, we just got to sit back and watch him develop. And people are like, well, he was a first round pick. He was a top 10 pick. We should see better. And yeah, we should, but also we probably just got to give him a little bit of time and Stafford also a little bit of time to kind of get used to how he's being used in the system. And, you know, we switched offensive coordinators and granted it was earlier in the year and he did show some improvement after that, but still, I think it's just all getting used to it, and he just needs to kind of get up to speed. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you look at the way he started the year last year, he he started on a, on a hot streak. I think he had a touchdown like the first four or five games. Yeah. So, you know, five or six targets, and he, he, he was really starting to come at But like, like Sonia said, just because he's a first-round pick, he's still a tight end, and that is one of – We've said this before in the podcast, but that is one of the positions that is really takes some time to translate into becoming, you know, to your finding your NFL maturity. And it takes a good two or three years. So hopefully as he right. enters year three and with, uh, you know, Calvin, uh, Calvin out the door, hopefully we can see some more, more of that because we know he has the ability. I mean, I just, you, how could you not fall in love with this guy when you're watching film with him at North Carolina? I mean, he was just making exactly. college college linebackers and safeties look silly, and I know the NFL is a different game, but the athleticism is just so there. And exactly. you know, if, if he yeah, if he played in you know like the Patriots' offense, he would him and him and Gronk would just dominate. So not not nothing right, for sure. Nothing against Matthew Stafford, but it's it's just going to take some time. And like you said, with you know Jim Bob now at the helm there, uh, OC wise, hopefully they'll have to take this off season and, and get him more integrated. But I think you know, and I'm not the only Ebron fan out there. There's plenty of guys out there in the dynasty world that still still like him and think that he's going to uh, uh, come to fruition. And I think you're going to see some good things from here this year. So he's he's I certainly a guy so. that I keep my eye on because yeah. I think he can step into that room. What do we think about these running backs? I mean, can can you make sense of what's going on with the with the with the timeshare now? Um, Abdullah <laughs> showed some nice flashes. 
but then I was about to say Abdullah showed maybe. some nice flashes. Yes, he did hit that rookie wall. He does need to learn how to control the ball a little tighter. But again, we've kind of seen that. We saw that with him in Nebraska. We're seeing it with him here. He got benched, and I think he's learning how to hold on to the ball more. So I think that's good. Then you have your friend Theo Riddick catching balls out of the backfield and running them up. I think he's really going to be a nice surprise for the Lions this year. Um, You know, just like just really kind of bringing the running game a little bit more to fruition, able to um, catch the ball, like I said, out of the backfield and just give the offense another dimension. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your friend Zach Zenner, who I think was destined to be pretty daggone good last year, but he got injured, <laughs> kind of collapsed a couple lungs and you need those a little bit to, you know, mm-hmm. run. <laughs> so I think, it's it's going to be hard. He's going to have to earn his way, you know, back into the lineup. But I think that he's going to not be as prominently featured, but I think he will be a part of the running game. Yeah, and I think it's fair to think that he's kind of got that uh, – he can really give – Detroit, what Reggie Bush did the last the last couple of years when he was fully healthy there. I think I right. think Riddick is that type of player. He's he is that dual threat, and he was a nice surprise for a lot of people in fantasy football last year. And and Sonia's right. I think he's going to continue that, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him see see an uptick there in in, in touches as well. Because you know Abdullah is good, and he, I think he certainly has a bright future. But he's still he's still learning and still and still trying to figure out some things here exactly. and there. So I, I, I think Riddick might be, might be the back to own this year. Um, you know, I don't know how Zenner is going to fit into the uh, fold here going forward. He's, he's of course from uh, South Dakota state, which is a, a university that's about 60 miles from my home. So I'm always, always oh, cool. happy to, to rep the, the rep, the local guys, it's actually a <laughs> Minnesota kid, but he came into South Dakota to play football and, Little jackrabbit, right? That's what they're called. Yes, yes, yeah, the jackrabbits. <laughs> and I see. I think he had back. Maybe, maybe the only running back in NCAA history to have back-to-back two-thousand-yard seasons. Definitely, it is a it is is lower-level college football with the FCS, but uh, they did play some competition. He had some decent games against uh, uh, Missouri and, and Nebraska too. So he he's a kid. I mean, maybe he's more of a a fullback or just a complimentary player, but he's certainly a guy that can help this team. And uh, even if he needs to do it on special teams right away, I think he's a guy that maybe can come fantasy relevant if things don't work out for, uh, for Abdullah there. I agree. Um, What flipping over to the other side of the ball, Sonia, what, what do you think about Tahir Whitehead? Now I I was a little excited about him last off season. I thought we were going to see a little bit more from him, um, especially with some of the injuries you guys had in the, in the, linebacking core, but now it seems like he's got the shot to be the man in the middle. Do you think he could be a 100-tackle guy? I don't know about 100 tackles, but I think he will definitely be um, an improvement over what we've seen um, from some of our other linebacking cores in the past couple years. I think he showed some bright spots last year for sure. Um, and, you know, you got Terrell Austin, who's done a really good job with our defense, thank goodness. And um, so I think 
he's going to be able to step up more some as well. You're going to have DeAndre Levy coming back from whatever mysterious ailment he had all of last year. So I think <laughs> that'll also be a good compliment to to hear. Um, but I think that he's going to really actually kind of not anchor the defense, but for real be a be a nice little threat there and somebody also to keep out for, keep an eye out for. Yeah, and what I like about him is he's not he's not a pass rusher, but he is just a guy that has a lot of speed. And if yeah. you put him in the middle and in this four three scheme there for the Lions, and you know let let Levy and and Burns kind of collapse the collapse the edges, he's a guy that can certainly play play you know kind of that soccer sweeper role and just clean up. I think he has the speed mm-hmm. to do that uh, and be a very a very good lateral lateral player too. And I think. With uh, some of the uh, some of the pieces you have up front too, that's certainly going to help help him stay free and not have to worry about people coming up the middle to block him. So, yeah, I, I like Whitehead, and I, I he had 50 tackles and some limited action last year. So, I guess that translates to me as maybe he has a shot to get to that 100 tackle mark. I'll, I'll trust him. That though, would be great. But, uh, what did uh, you say? And she's not going to call me and yell at me when he gets to the hundred tackles and say, "Damn it, I was wrong." She's going to be very happy when when he does that. So. Uh, oh yeah, we'll, totally. We'll, yeah, we'll leave it at that. But what what do you think about draft needs? Uh, obviously, uh, there's with a couple a couple higher picks. I think what, a couple two picks in the first uh, first fifty five. Is it? Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I know this NFL draft order. I just cannot think of it today. It's not coming to me, but. Uh, Couple, That's okay. I know our picks. first round is um, we have we picked number sixteen this year. Um, again, kind of in the middle of the pack. Nothing great is jumping out at me. Um, you know, it's going to be Bob Quinn's first year drafting um, with the Lions, so it's going to be interesting because a lot of people are really excited because he's coming over from New England. You know, the whole build from the draft and theory and just how good he's done there and how good of an organization the Patriots are. So that's why everybody's so excited. And so now it's time to see how it's going to translate. Um, Biggest need, I would still say maybe alignment, like an offensive lineman, a couple more people maybe for the defensive line, defensive tackle type of position. Um, You know, we lost Sonya again. Let me see here. She is still officially on, but, um, you know, early on with the this Detroit team, I think the major thing that people were looking for was was wide receiver with Calvin Johnson out of out of the picture. Um, so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see to see a wide receiver there. I know they brought in some people via free agency, but those are you know besides the Marvin Jones signing, they're they're you know the rest of those guys could could not. Uh, could leave and not be, really be missed. So, you know, Laquan Treadlow is certainly a guy to look for. Corey Coleman. Oh, there she is. She's back. Uh, Sonia's back. <laughs> back <laughs> yep, again. I'm still here. I'm back. Can you got me? Okay. Yep, I got you. Okay, perfect. I'm sorry, I walk and talk. It's such a habit of mine. So then I hit a zone in my house. It's not, like, really compatible. <laughs> so forgive me. I'm sitting down Do now, talk- and Do- I won't move. <laughs> Do you talk with your hands, too? On the phone? Sometimes, yeah. Always. Actually, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So but, yeah, no, back to the off, draft. Offense and defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, back Go to ahead. the draft. Um, 
I think, yeah, offensive line is a, is a need. Um, defensive line, um, I think those are probably the two biggest needs. Um, and like I was saying, um, Calvin, a lot of people are kind of knee-jerk. Oh, we got to pick a wide receiver first. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't have to pick a wide receiver. You can still draft a good, decent wide receiver in, you know, the second, third, fourth round. Heck, sometimes those are the biggest steals. Um, and it's just going to be interesting just to see. Nobody's going to be able to make up for Calvin's productivity and just the awesomeness that Calvin was. So I think that, you know, people just kind of need to tone that talk down a little bit. Um, but I think probably the biggest need offensive line, defensive line. Any, any thoughts I kind of had slated to talk about a little later, uh, with, uh, Tyron Walker, um, a guy that I'm not even sure if you drafted him, but he showed some really nice flashes. I think he had one just amazing game last year for you guys, and then he got hurt. Any, any thoughts? It looks like he's slated to start right now. Any, any thoughts about, about him? And obviously he's going to have to be a compliment to Haloti Nada if he wants to stay in the lineup. For sure. And, yeah, he. I think he was the one that got injured in that Seattle game, if I'm not mistaken, that godforsaken Seattle yeah. game. But that's another story for another day. Pardon me. But um, I think, you know, he was really starting to kind of come into his own then. And so hopefully, hopefully, like you said, he's going to have to play behind Haloti for now. But Haloti obviously is kind of on a downward trend, so it might not be too hard to actually, um, you know, if he comes back, comes back nice and healthy. I think that, you know, it might not be that big of a stretch, I would think, to see him maybe – come into some games and give Haloti a break, you know, from starting sometimes. So I think that he actually was actually very good, and I think he's coming around a little bit. So this year, hopefully, he will be able to just kind of keep that momentum going and come back from his injury nice and strong. So that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that is kind of all we had for you today, uh, Sonia. Any 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 closing thoughts there? Um. I say let's just keep our expectations as Lions fans um, just kind of kind of lower this year. I think it's going to be a fun time to watch. Fantasy-wise, you know, I'm kind of iffy on some of the guys. I would say probably Stafford perhaps, but don't draft him as your QB1. Maybe as a good, you know, backup um, for some bye weeks, depending on how he starts off the season. That would probably be my biggest um, thought. And in a dynasty league, always keep your boy Eric Ebron because who knows, this could be <laughs> his year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. spe- speaking of fantasy, uh, you you and the ladies over there were nice enough to invite me to to a league last year, and I actually ended up yes. playing Sony in the championship, and, and, and I won, so I was just wondering, when I win next year, do I send the T-shirt back and you guys put a new banner on the back? Is that how that goes? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think that's that might be how it goes, but oh, okay. you might have some more competition because <laughs> I think okay. I need it back. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, All right. And full, dis- full disclosure, that draft just happened to be when I was at work, so that was like the only draft of mine I did not do last year. I had somebody else on staff do it here. 
and he texted me about 37,000 times. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I wasn't the one pushing the buttons there, so I, I can't take full credit. I want to give Bruce Kim- Krimble credit for drafting my boys there. So. Well, very good. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we'll hopefully you, get you back next this year. You're welcome. Thank yep. you, Josh, as always. It's always fun. <laughs> Yeah, always always appreciate you and all the ladies at NFL Female. You guys you guys do great work over there and you come on and laugh with us. What else can I ask for? That's just it's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> all, all right, right. Jeff. Take care. Thanks so much. Sonia Greenfield, everybody. Uh don't be don't be upset by the drop calls there. She she's just has so much animation about her Detroit Lions that she just can't sit down and and I love it. And that's how all those ladies over there at NFL Female are. So uh, I got Andy Carlson coming up in about seven minutes here. Uh, but first, I kind of wanted to get you guys going and let you know what's going on this week in our mock drafts here. Uh, Bruce, uh, as I mentioned just him a second ago, he's kind of our mock draft monarch. And we got all kinds of mock startups going, and we even have a rookie one going. But just to, just a couple of notes for you here. Thomas Rawls continues to go ahead of Adrian Peterson, obviously Peterson, 30 years old, and Rawls kind of expecting to be that RB1 in Seattle. So they've more talked about really integrating Christian Michael there as a nice one-two punch. But Rawls is, you know, typically early third round ahead of Adrian Peterson. Um, I know Tyrod Taylor has not gotten a contract extension yet, but him and Teddy Bridgewater are QBs that are going really late in rounds. So if you're looking to wait on a QB, you know, you could even maybe grab both of these guys, like round – 12 and 13 and you know kind of mix and match and don't don't be discouraged by what you've seen from Bridgewater so far uh but what you need to remember is that the Minnesota Vikings are going indoors this year and he's going you're going to see that arm that you saw at Louisville he's going to sling this ball he's going to hit Stefan Diggs deep whatever wide receiver they draft as we'll get to the draft needs I'm sure I'm sure Andy will touch on that um and uh, they got some other other moving pieces there, so I, I think you're going to see some good things from Mr. Uh, Mr. Bridgewater there in Minnesota this year. Uh, defensive back reminder: Now, some of your leagues do require cornerbacks, some are just DBs, uh, and it's great to have these top end guys like Dan Buchanan, uh, Landon Collins, uh, but you do not need to take these guys in the first 15 rounds. If you don't, if you're not, if you don't get Dan McCann, you know what? That's that that does suck, and he's awesome. But you can easily take older players later, and you can take some rookie options too. So, whereas you don't have Deion Buchanan right now, let's say you take a rookie or later on, like in round 20 to 30 in an IDP startup, then you have Deion Buchanan two years into in two years. I mean, you can just you build it up. You don't need to spend such a high pick on these type of players because there's certainly some of them out there. I mean, look at a guy like Charles Woodson last year. Yeah, it's just a one-year rental for him last year, but you could have got him at the end of drafts last year, and he produced great IDP numbers right along the top with the rest of the guys. And he's a guy that you can get late because people in the dynasty don't want these older players. They want those guys that are two to three years old that are already established. So you take the rookies and these older guys late. Malcolm Jenkins finally getting some respect and going in kind of the middle rounds after I took him like round 24 all of last year. He's going up there around. But you don't have to spend those early picks on these type of players. Fill out your wide receivers, fill out your running backs, and wait on those DBs and those IDP, full IDP formats. Uh, we do have a rookie league going right now, too, a rookie draft, excuse me. 
So I just wanted to recap that you recap you on that and see how see how that is going. Uh, of course, no surprise here at the top with uh, Ezekiel Elliott going one and the Colin Treadwell going two. Uh, Josh Doxson, number three, Derek Henry four, Corey Coleman five, Tyler Boyd six, Sterling Shepard number seven, Kenneth Dixon number eight. Kind of a bit of a surprise here as uh, Paxton Lynch went nine. Somebody obviously knows something there. Um, the Ohio State's Michael Thomas. Uh, going 10. Leontay Carew out of Rutgers going number 11. Will Fuller closing out round one. Uh, starting round two, Devontae Booker, Kiaris Garrett. Uh, the, the Tulsa, the big Tulsa speed demon there. Love that guy. Uh, followed by Braxton Miller. Aaron Burbridge, a little high on Burbridge as far as I'm concerned, but uh, that's okay. We had a great Burbridge uh, profile come out last weekend by uh, Brian Sweet. Make sure you go and check that out. Make sure you go to DFW and check out all the rookie profiles. We are cranking them out, and they are awesome. Brax, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the Christian Hackenberg one from Brian Sweet last week. Phenomenal stuff. I wish I could write that good about quarterbacks as he does. So check that out. Uh, Alex Collins going 2.05. Procise 2.06, Farrell Cooper 2.07, Tajay Sharp 2.08, Jordan Howard 2.09, Hunter Henry going 2.10. That was actually a pick by me because I am a little tight and starved in some of my leagues, and I really believe in this guy. And at 2.11 is where we're at right now. Uh, Paul Perkins out of UCLA. So I got a Paul Perkins profile coming up on the coming up here on DSW in the next week or so, so make sure you check that out. But uh, that's just kind of how things are laying right now, but I wanted to keep you updated on that. Uh, let's do a little uh, plant your flag or wash your hands as we look at um, – actually, you know what? Let's let's go do some dynasty trade analysis. Uh, Julio Jones for Bashard Perryman, Sammy Watkins, and a 2017 pick. Now, some people obviously love Julio like he is their own son, but I think you're getting Watkins and Perryman and a 2017 second. I mean, that's uh, you're not going to get a Julio as a player next year in round two more than likely, but I feel like this is a pretty even trade. Um, and if I had Julio, I would certainly consider moving him for that. We don't know what Perryman's going to be, so you're certainly taking a little bit of a flyer there. But uh, if I had to lean the one side, I would certainly say the Julio side just because he has been dominant. And I still have, have excuse me, about that Buffalo offense. But I do I do think it's a fairly even deal. Uh, Jay Ajayi, excuse me, Brandon Cooks, 1.37, which translates to 1.110. Uh, and 1.46, which translates to 1.12. So, J.H.I., Brandon Cooks, 1.10, 1.12 for Carlos Hyde, Demarius Thomas, and 3.21. Um, I think this is a fairly even trade as well. You know, the big risk factor is Demarius Thomas being 28, 29 years old. I think he still does have four or five decent seasons left in him, uh, pending to actually get a quarterback in Denver, that is. But, um, uh, you know, Ajay, he could have a, a very good year, even though we've talked about Miami's trying very hard to bring in a running back. Uh, Brandon Cooks is, certainly has an outside chance, chance of getting over 100 receptions this year. And with the um, 
with uh, pick 1.10 and pick 1.12. Kind of long shots, you know, like I talked about with that rookie draft here just a second ago. Those were uh, Michael Thomas and Will Fuller. So certainly decent options, something to build your team around, and that's kind of what we aim for here in, uh, in Dynasty land. So I got Andy on the phone, so let's patch Mr. Andy Carlson over. Andy, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Uh, it is great. It is Andy Carlson, uh, the host of the Purple for the Wind podcast. Um, Andy, I don't know if there's a bigger, any a better way to say this, but I am a fan of yours, and I think it's the ultimate compliment that I listen to your Purple for the Wind podcast when you consider the fact that I'm not even a Vikings fan. You just entertain hey. me so greatly, and, and you have Luke come on, and every now and mm-hmm. then you guys do this. And, and I love it. I love it. I mean, every now and then you see, give me the horn, and it happens. Um, Like, I think we did that repeated. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hey, thank you very much. I'm just uh, excited to hear uh, even non-Vikings fans out there and just shows that we're putting on something decent, uh, quasi-decent. But it mostly (laughs) comes from the guests uh, that I have on. I have a lot of good people who help me out. Yeah, I, I remember you. I think did you go back and rank all the Vikings quarterbacks in history like last maybe last year about this time? Yeah, that that was terrible. Yeah, that, <laughs> it, it was just was terrible awesome. going down memory lane and just looking like uh, I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, how I many retreads have we had? Tommy Kramer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it, how many? It's like all, all of the the Jim McMahon's, the uh, you know Brett Favre's, the Archie Mannings uh, that we've had in our history yeah. is just like come on, man. <laughs> uh, but you brought Fran Tarkington back for round two, and that's worked out pretty well. Again, it's Andy Carlson, Purple for the Win podcast. It's a, a basically a podcast all devoted to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I send out uh, all our notes for the podcast before the show, and one of our owners said, hey, you got Andy Carlson coming on. That's pretty cool. I said, oh, he, he lives in Minneapolis too like you, Andy. And I was like, oh, do you know Andy? And he's like, he's like no, but I'm a Vikings fan. you got to know who Andy is. So there, there you go. You got, you got more than one fan out there. Oh, that's awesome. It's high praise. Uh, now, now we have three uh, to go with my, my great-grandma. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I can do this. I, I want to make sure you have the best disclaimer in podcast land. Andy, Andy comes out and says, I'm not a fan. I'm not a reporter. Or excuse me, I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a reporter. I'm merely a jackass fan with a microphone. Is that correct? Did I say that right? That is a hundred percent correct, and it's kind of funny. I was, I was thinking, thinking about it yesterday, and uh, you know, I've been able to uh, get to know and befriend a lot of these you know up and coming uh, Vikings writers, and even some of the mainstream beat guys. And it's just just a, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, I'm just a fan who can put some words together and send, can quasi talk coherently. You guys are, are like actual hardcore journalists, and hey, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy happy to enjoy your podcast. So let's talk about your Minnesota Vikings. Now, the first question I kind of phrased um, Stephen Colbert asked, and I, I was hoping you maybe got that as a as a somebody who appreciates good comedy. I figured you would. But Eric Kendricks, mm-hmm. your new man in the middle, is he a great middle linebacker, or he's is he is he going to be the greatest middle linebacker in Vikings history? I love <laughs> what, what do you think? Uh, I love Kendricks, too, and I think he was the steal uh, when we got him in the second round. And when uh, oh, yeah. we, we got him, 
Uh, I, I was saying that he's going to be the most impactful Viking right away. I was kind of unsure about Wayne, still am. Uh, well, I was on team Marcus Peters, but so was pretty much everyone else. But that, that's besides the point. And Kendrick just came in, uh, tackling machine, did have that little injury thing. But uh, his, his speed, his coverage ability, and just what he brings to the defense. He, he's one of those guys where he, he might may never be that national household name, but he's going to be a guy that Vikings fans love. Uh, you know, pretty much like a Jack Greenway in the hall of very, very good lunch tail mentality guy that's very easy to root for and you can rely on for a decade. You know, maybe not a Hall of Famer, but uh, for a second-round pick, we'll take exactly that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember listening to your podcast with Chad Greenway, too. Mr. South Dakota, South Dakota represent. That's actually where I live, so I'm glad you, dro- glad you dropped that in there. But, uh, yeah, Bye like next. you said, steal – Steal in the second round there with Kendricks, and I think you're just going to see him grow and just be really make this awesome young Vikings defense feared. And just because because you have a man like this in the middle, he's just going to make everything else uh, work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping he would maybe drop in a Scott Studwell there, but I just I just really like saying Scott Studwell. Uh, um, you know, uh, looking over <laughs> your notes and maybe look up who the all-time Viking leading tackler then is Studwell with 19. 19- <laughs> 181, which I thought was kind of funny. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. We saw, you know, we saw him just kind of bide his time. And when, when mm-hmm. Charles Johnson left the lineup due to injury, things frankly just never looked back. I mean, is he, you know, Anthony Carter good, or is he going to be like the next Randy Moss? I, I, I <laughs> love this kid. He kind of slowed down. Maybe find a, found that rookie wall, but he kind of slowed down until the end mm-hmm. of the year. But, like I said earlier, you guys are going back inside this year, and Teddy's going to be slinging it, and Diggs is going to be the recipient, right? Uh, that, that's the plan. That, that's the idea. I, I do believe Teddy is an indoor cat, and uh, hopefully that benefits him greatly. Uh, but with Diggs, it, it was kind of weird. Um, you know, speaking of draft value, getting him in the fifth round, and, as well as Michael Pruitt, that could be a historic round for the Vikings down the line. But uh, with Diggs, him being inactive the first three games, everyone was kind of like, What's going on? Because he, he looked great in Mankato. You know, he, he was doing uh, fantastic things, even against like Xavier Rose and Terrence Newman. He was beating them up in practice. It was great. Uh, but once he got his shot, and it wasn't a coincidence that when, once Diggs started uh, becoming the guy, Mike Wall sort of faded and never really appeared for the rest of the season. Uh, but I, I think as defenses uh, considered him the number one guy later on in the season, that sort of uh, waned the production. Uh, but the fact that he runs great routes, he can run the entire route tree, and he seems to have a real rapport with Teddy, I think it's, the future is extremely bright with number 14. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, and I'm glad, I glad you dropped him in there. And I, I was thinking about Mr. Michael Pruitt this week when you guys signed yet another tight end. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're signing blocking tight ends because, yeah, Michael Pruitt, a little bit undersized for a tight end, standing 6'2", but, I mean, he tested off the charts at the combine last year, and I think it's an absolute steal. I mean, I think he could play that fullback, tight ends, kind of H-back, you know, kind of like Klein Saucer did there for many years with the Vikings, but mm-hmm. obviously be a little bit more productive. I mean, you saw him in college line up in the slot, and he's, you know, he's running like a like a four six forty. I think it was maybe even a four five forty. I mean, what mm-hmm. DB is going to step up and cover a 250-pound guy in the slot that runs that fast? So I think mm-hmm. there's ways that Minnesota can certainly exploit defenses with this guy. I mean, I, I know from listening to, to the podcast that you are a fan, but 
think that we'll see some more integration as, as the season bores on here with Pruitt? Uh, well, with uh, Red Ellison and the Patella, and those are always extremely tricky injuries. I was glad that they resigned them. Uh, but it's, Ellison isn't quite the same getting back. Yeah, Pruitt does starting, start getting those number two reps. And, you know, if Kyle Rudolph, is, he's basically in the last year that the Vikings are tied to him financially as far as dead salary cap number goes. And, you know, just working Pruitt in there as more of that, that fullback, uh, receiving tight end, H-back type role, uh, I, I think the Charles Clay comparison is extremely applicable. And, and the fact that they can block and also be an offensive weapon uh, I'm really excited of what we can uh, get out of Pruitt. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I would want to cover that guy in the slot. That's a mm-hmm. very 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 exciting. I think it's a very exciting time to be the, a Vikings fan because I think you guys have such a great young nucleus of players, and uh, kind of getting that going and all together is going to be work out for something very special here in the near future. Um, another young player there with uh, Jarek McKinnon. What, what is Jarek McKinnon for now, and what can he be when AP leaves this Vikings team? Do uh, you remember the movie Friday Night Lights? <laughs> uh, you know, I actually haven't seen the movie. I have seen this TV series, so maybe that helps. And everyone, yeah, everyone watches the TV show. I've actually never seen it, but in the movie and in the book and in real life, I guess, it's uh, Chris Comer. Is the backup running back uh, behind Booby Gibson, Booby Dixon, uh, whatever his name is, is Booby something, uh-huh. Booby Miles? That might have been it. And that's Adrian and McKinnon. Uh, once he gets a chance to be the guy, I-, I think he'll do great things. And whether that's here, hopefully it is, or if he goes somewhere else, that would be a shame. Uh, I-, I I've always been aboard the trading Adrian bandwagon. And now that wasn't out of spite because of what he did to his son. I'm trying to separate that. That was obviously wrong. But I'm just talking about a strict uh, football value standpoint where if we can get something for Adrian now and the guy who just turned 31, we can get record value out of him. And also I think he held back the offense last year since we had to cater to him. Uh, McKinnon is that guy who could be the lead back in like a 65-35 split with like a a, between, uh, you know, a goal line short yardage power back. And you don't want to call him Jamal Charles. You don't want to saddle uh, you know, the kid with those sort of lofty expectations. But he's got that same skill set. And he's an underrated inside-the-tackle runner. He, he's a lot stouter and stronger than people give him credit for. And everyone keep call, kept calling him Darren Sproles because of his height. He's like the absolute 180 uh, opposite of Darren Sproles when it comes to body type. Uh, and it did – it was interesting that Norv was starting to get him more involved creatively at the end of last year, putting him in the slot, getting him on, matched up against a linebacker running a wheel route. And that's something that Vikings fans have been frustrated for so long that Norv isn't using McKinnon, isn't using Patterson in creative ways, and everything's been vanilla, and the offense was very predictable. Uh, you know, running on first down, run on second down, third and eight, Teddy throws incomplete. What the hell's wrong with Teddy? That was our offense all year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and like I said, back inside, that's gonna be that's gonna be big things. Hopefully for everybody in this offense. So I think you'll see some mm-hmm. see some definite changes there. Good good notes on McKinnon. Now, again, I was kind of wondering a little bit more about him as they brought to, as Yada back for for yet another mm-hmm. one year deal. Um, any any thoughts on him? I mean, he's just basically insurance. Or is he gonna yeah. you know score those four goal four goal line <laughs> touchdowns and then just fade away again? Uh, Some people count as a hot take, but I actually think the combination of McKinnon and Asiata would be better than Adrian. Uh, 
as shocking as that may sound, I, I really think that would open things up for the offense more. But uh, uh, that aside, Asiata is the type of guy who you never want as your lead lead back, uh, but he's tough as nails. Uh, he's great in pass protection, decent receiver out of the backfield, and the guy that you want as your number three running back uh, all, all day long. You know, your teams wish that they, they could have Matt Asiata as their number three running back. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's why they, they signed him back on. Um, no, I know what you're, what you're going to say uh, with this mm-hmm. next question, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take it. I won't steal your thunder. It's kind of interesting what Rick has done in free agency is that you know, with the draft, he doesn't usually like tipping his hand, but with shoring up the offensive line, you know, bringing in Boone, bringing in Andre Smith, uh, signing a couple of backup linebackers, that keeping Audie Cole, and then also bringing Michael Griffin at safety and, and resigning Sendejo, the three of the biggest needs that the Vikings had uh, going into the offseason, offensive line, linebacker, safety, got addressed. And so Rick is basically playing his hand face up, saying, hey, uh, we're going after a wide receiver. Might not be the first round, might not be the second round, but it probably will be. I mean, let's be honest. That is the uh, letting Mike Wallace go, which uh, I was on the fence. I, I, I'm at peace with it. I'm okay with it. And, you know, the fact that Josh Doxson is out there, Laquan Treadwell is out there, and if we could pair up a, a big-bodied, go up and get a red zone type receiver uh, with Diggs, who I actually think I, – I don't think Diggs is a true number one. I think he'd be a hell of a 1B option, uh, you know, kind of like how Randall Cobb is. You know, not the same stylistically, but the same uh, theoretically in, in the fact that they're a much better second option. Uh, but the idea of pairing Doxson and Diggs and moving indoors, like you've been talking about, uh, with, with Teddy in more control of the offense, man, it, it, it's a it's a dream. Yeah, and I and I I heard you guys do the 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 wide receiver show last week, and and mm-hmm. I know you're 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 high, higher on most of the odds. I don't think Doxson is. He's a, I think he's a can miss, especially like you said, what he can do in the red zone is just gonna mm-hmm. open things up for the rest of that offense. So. Um, what about later in the draft? Is there any any day three guys out there that you like that you think could certainly help this team? Uh, not any names specifically, uh, although uh, trying to follow some of the, these coaches' breakfast things and um, uh, the, the local radio guy, Paul Allen, uh, the voice of the Vikings, dropped a nugget that he had a feeling inside the building that if Cardell Jones is there on day three, the Vikings might take a look at him, and that's a little – Huh, that's 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 a little something that makes you go, huh? Even though you know Teddy is the franchise quarterback, Cardale is extremely raw and probably at least four or five years away from starting um, regularly in the NFL. It, it does always make you go, huh? When you're sniffing around the quarterback, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, he's two fifty, so maybe you know, maybe he can be a short yardage quarterback. Maybe you can bring him in <laughs> to, to yeah, maybe he can be our seventh tight end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Again, it's Andy Carlson, Purple for the Win podcast. Even if you're not a Vikings fan, people, just check it out because it's entertaining. Also, also, sick plug, uh, the Andy Luke and Reef football machine is on iTunes at Stitcher and ColdOmaha.com. Uh, it's a brand-new project. It's awesome. We talk Vikings. We talk general NFL. Uh, two hours every single Thursday morning. Drop it like it's hot. All right. Well, again, appreciate you, Andy, and thank thank you for all the all the hours of entertainment you've already given. Me. 
Okay, that was Andy Carlson, Purple for the Win podcast. You heard him mention the other the other podcast, the, the Football Machine. There, make sure you check that out on iTunes. Uh, again, entertaining stuff. You don't need to be a Vikings fan. You could even be a Packers fan, and just you know what, whatever you want to do, just just listen, check it out because they're good. Uh, amazing guests today: uh, Ron McLeese, Sonia Greenfield, and Andy Carlson. Such a such a thrill to talk to all those guys. Andy's coming back for the first time. Uh, but uh, yeah, thrilled thrilled to talk to him most definitely. Um, moving on, sorry, I just got a trade offer for one of my kickers, um, amongst a bunch of other crap in there. But anyway, uh, Tyler won't appreciate that, but I said it anyway. Uh, let's do a little plant your flag or wash your hands. Now, one guy that we didn't talk about, but maybe Andy dire- indirectly probably referenced what's going to happen to him is Jarius Wright there of the Vikings. Um, not a probably not a huge future there as they continue to try to to get other things in place there. Thirty four receptions, no touchdowns last year for this team. Uh certainly a guy, you know, coming in at five ten, hundred and ninety pounds, probably had a lot of things moving against him, but he's been a fairly decent option for for the Vikings, but he's certainly a guy that's gonna get pushed down in the depth chart. And he said ultimately do drop draft that wide receiver. So he's probably a, a guy that you can certainly wash your hands of. Uh, James Starks uh, was a free agent when I wrote that, but he has now since been re-signed by the Packers. So I think you can probably see uh, much of the same out of him, although I was hoping to see a little bit more out of John Crockett this year, the Mr. North Dakota State, but uh, uh, appreciate that. Uh Appreciate the North Dakota State drop, but uh, Carson went to school. But uh, James James Starks, like I said, you're probably going to see the same type of thing. If if Lacey struggles, you're going to see uh, Starks get the tar- Starks get the touches. And Starks, I think, just got brought back on a one year deal, so uh, maybe that says a little bit more about how how Green Bay is feeling about Lacey. Worth they they let Starks maybe test the market, but they certainly brought him back. Another guy that's getting pushed down the depth chart, Marquise Wilson for the Bears. You know, I just – I really doubt his frame and what he can do uh, for the Bears team there. Uh, Matt Matt Asiata, you heard kind of what Andy said about him. You know, maybe if you own Adrian Peterson or McKinnon, McKinnon he's a, he's kind of a backup plan there for the Vikings. So, uh, you know, and he's just back on a one-year deal. So, if, if you own AP, I would suggest holding on to Asiata. Uh, and he also talked about Michael Pruitt as I slipped a couple of questions in on there. Like he said, this is the year, uh, the last year they have to really pay Kyle Rudolph anything there. So if you're holding on to Pruitt, don't cut him now. I mean, he could be their starting tight end next year. And I honestly believe that. And I believe in him. So with two years of experience under his belt, now we're coming into 2017 and a chance to start, I think you can see some really good things from this guy. Uh, Kadeem Carey, Ron kind of mentioned him a few times here and then, here and there. Super productive guy at the college football level. A couple back-to-back 1,800-yard seasons, but really hasn't come to fruition in Chicago. He's not, was not drafted by their current brass, so you think he's just basically Langford insurance and probably nothing else, so if you have him, maybe don't cut him. You try to trade him to the Langford guy for, you know, whatever you can get, a third or fourth rounder. That's probably pretty comfortable. Um, 
Uh, another guy went there with uh, Sonia, Tyron Walker. Obviously, he's only a given, giving, getting a look in defensive tackle required full IDP formats. So make sure, make sure obviously, you need the defensive tackle before you even consider him. But he's a guy that, again, just a little bit of experience, showed some really good flashes last year. And he's probably not a guy you're going to draft, but he's going to a guy that's going to be available when your defensive tackle gets hurt. And just look at his stats, and I think you might be surprised midseason of how well he's doing if he stays healthy. Uh, Devin Taylor, defensive tackle, uh, defensive end, excuse me, for the Lions. Seven sacks last year opposite uh, Anza. Um, certainly, uh, you know, a player with experience. So he's not a not a guy that's going to be starting for your full IDP formats, but he's a guy that you need to – Need to be aware of, kind of like Walker. If you, one of your guys gets hurt, this is somebody that's going to be out there that's going to be available. He does have the sacks, and don't be surprised if he if he improves on that. I don't think he's going to get you know ten or twelve, but if he gets eight or nine, that's an improvement from seven. And with Anza demanding respect on the other side, Taylor could certainly be that good recipient there. So the only team we haven't talked about so far is the Green Bay Packers. I do not have a guest for that. Um, and I just have a few notes here. As I knew that the show was going to last longer than I would anticipate as we had three guests on, but amazing guests nonetheless. Uh, with Jordy Nelson back, does the rest of this offense become cohesive? You know, we talked about it in the dilemma with Cobb versus Jeffrey. I really think Cobb could have been a better wide receiver one with Jordy out last year if they would have had a little bit more consistency from their run game. I think what hurt this offense the most is the fact that they weren't able to set a precedent. Lacey, although he he gained 30, 40 pounds, he still couldn't pound the rock and get positive yards. And if you're getting, you know, one or two yards in first down as opposed to three or four, that's a huge difference. It doesn't seem like it, but that is a huge difference if if you're just getting one or two yards as opposed to, three and four because the football is a simple game. Really, if you break it down, all you need is three yards per play. Granted, you'd be going for a fourth and one every time, but if you get three yards, who cares? Lacey was not able to do that last year, right? He was not able to do that. So if they get consistent play out of that running game, that is going to help, I think, this whole offense immensely. It might even help Richard Rodgers, who I'm not even a a huge fan of. Uh, With the news of Starks coming back, obviously that pushes John Crockett down the ladder a little bit depth chart wise, but I think he is still a viable handcuff. Lacey appears to be getting himself in shape. He's in a contract here. I don't expect that to last. If you want to stay ahead of the game and you have space on your dynasty roster, get John Crockett. I know he's out there in your league. Just go grab him. Unless there's a North Dakota state fan, that's a great player to add to your roster for the future, just remember his name, John Crockett. Can Haha Clinton Dix step in to be an elite IDP option? We've seen really good things from him. I'm pretty sure, I don't know how he ended the year, but according to our buddies at fantasydata.com, who I absolutely love, that is the best website for fantasy stats, fantasydata.com. Go there and check it out. You will not be disappointed. Ha-Ha Clinton-Dix, through most of the season last year, I want to say through week 14 or 15, led the league in snap count percentage. So he is out there. And when you're out there for that many snaps, opportunity certainly 
befalls you, and he's going to get production. I think you're just going to see him get better and better for the next couple of years. So, yes, I think he can step in to be that elite. Is he a top five DB? Not yet, but is it coming? I believe so. Uh, biggest draft needs? I think, and this might might not get some agreements from people out there, but if they get a linebacker in the middle, push Matthews back outside and let him and Peppers rush the passer. They get somebody consistent in the middle that could just do a good job of cleaning up. That would be great. I don't think Reggie Raglan is going to be there when the Packers pick in the mid twenties or late twenties, but he would be the perfect option for them. Um, other guys out there, Kentrell brothers, he's probably not a first round pick, but maybe they could grab him in the second. Um, I still think this team needs a tight end. Like I said earlier, not sold on Richard Rodgers at all. Um, I'm also not sold on their back at quarterback, Brett Hundley. So maybe they had another quarterback deep since they lost uh, Scott Tolson. You know, maybe like a, a Jeff Driscoll or a Kevin Hogan, a guy that they can sit on and uh, groom for a couple years as Rodgers probably has, you know, four to five, maybe longer left. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's all he has left. So they if they need another project there and another another understudy, I think that could work. Um, they 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 do need some def- defensive back help. They also need some defensive ends on this team. So I l- I look for them. Look for that in the middle rounds. You know, um, and defensive tackle. You know, replacing B.J. Raji. Look maybe like a deep like a Hasha, uh, Hassan Ridgeway out of Texas. Certainly a, a decent player. Um, they want to do it earlier, like second round. They could get a guy like a Vern Butler um, out of La Tech. Love that guy. So, though they were a playoff team, they certainly have some needs. Everybody can use an offensive lineman. Uh, everybody should, I think it should be required that everybody drafts at least one offensive lineman every draft. They probably do, but it should maybe be required because <laughs> I just I believe that's that's what people need. Uh, you just need that depth. You just can't underestimate that you need offensive line depth. There's no way to un- underestimate that. I'm certain of that. So, um, One prospect profile here before we let you go. Uh, again, full disclosure, my my team over here in Conference USA, actually it's the American Athletic Conference now, um, is East Carolina. So I love me some East Carolina Pirates. And, and one guy that didn't even make it into my last full seven-round mock draft was Montez Overton. Um, I had Zeke Bigger in there, the inside linebacker. But Overton is an outside linebacker who is just an absolute beast off the edge. And and I love him. I think he could also play inside if you need him to. Uh, Montez is 6'2", 230, excuse me, 223 pounds. Unbelievable speed and quick twitcher off of the edge. Uh, baby Leonard Floyd, if, if you want to say that. Uh, the thin frame makes it hard for offensive tackles to get a piece of him. Granted, that is something you should be worried about. But when, you, when you're when you that thin, you can really, you know, if they can't get one, if they can only get one hand on you and not two, that's not going to, it's not going to slow you down enough. It's just going to push them outside to where they can close that gap. Ran a 4-6-40 at the Combine. That's four six at two hundred and twenty three pounds coming off the edge. That's that's pretty that's pretty quick for a lot of offensive tackles to absorb. Three fit three three excuse me, seven point one five in the three cone. Uh, he's not a guy that's gonna out muscle offensive linemen, but he will certainly finesse his way around them or past them. 
will definitely be a sub-package special teams player early. Um, now, I know people always say a player who is flawed to a certain degree, like Overton, you know, with the, with the thin frame, people always say, you know, oh, he's a high-motor guy. But that's exactly what he is. He is definitely a high-motor guy. Has a lot of stamina, a lot of edge, a lot of speed off of the edge. Um, I think he also has coverage skills. They're decent enough to where he's not going to be a liability on third down. Uh, but he could also be that super sub that just comes in to be a pass rushing dart. He's going to bend the edge versus slower right tackles and cause offenses to be aware of where he is at in the game. So that's only going to make the other side of you guys, the other side of you better when you have a, if you have a legit pass rusher on the other side and a guy like this on the weak side that can collapse the edge. Obviously we saw that with DeMarcus Ware, Malik Jackson, Von Miller on the other side. He's not Von Miller, people, but he's a guy that can create that same type of havoc given given that time. And he's got stamina where I think he could develop into a three-down backer. Look for him to be a sub-package pass rusher early, but he can also cover too. So um, just a legit player. And probably a guy that's going to go in round six or seven of the actual NFL draft and a player that could potentially go undrafted in your full IDP format. So he's a guy that you need to keep your eye on. Um, I, I, re- I really like Overton, and you can't you can't doubt that speed that he brings off of the edge. Next week, people, we're going to have two podcasts for you as I'm going to sit down with IDP team captain Bill Latin as we talk about the dynasty futures of the IDP players here in the 2016 class. Uh, that's going to be on Tuesday, uh, noon central time, uh, 10 o'clock Mountain, Mountain ST or MST, whatever that means. I don't think they would obey the uh, daylight savings time here in uh, there in Arizona for Bill. So anyway, we'll figure that out. Uh, but that's going to be on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Wednesday, we turn with Nick at her normal time as uh, we're talking about the dynasty offseason happenings of the teams in the AFC South and a super great dilemma as we depict DeAndre Hopkins versus Allen Robinson. So make sure you check that out next week. Two podcasts. There'll be more prospect podcasts to come as we get closer to the draft. We still got to do wide receivers and running backs. Me and Mike Kravick did the quarterbacks and tight ends and offensive linemen a few weeks ago, so you can go back and check that out as well. Thank you for joining me for the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. Thanks to my amazing guests, Ron McLeese, fakepigskin.com, Sonia Greenfield, NFLfemale.com, and Andy Carlson, purpleforthewind.com, or PFT, the PFT podcast, excuse me. Yeah, the Purple for the Win podcast. Just click on Purple for the Win podcast and the podcast right up. You can go right to his podcast and check him out. So thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast, NFC North edition. Thank you for my amazing guest. And Nick will be back next week to make me sound a little bit saner. Thank you so much, people, and have a great day. We will see you next week with two podcasts, Tuesday, IDP Prospect Show. Get ready. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Nikki, Johnson. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.